3: it is october 15th 2023 and welcome to the giga uh, tongue-tied the gigantic pop podcast here we are we're all back together again this past uh, last week it was me and raj for a very off-topic crazy show but Matt Morgan, Raj Giri, Glenn Rubenstein. We're together once again this week talking horror movies because it's October. Gonna talk a little Friday the 13th versus Nightmare on Elm Street. Talk a little bit about some other things that are going on in the world. Um yeah, speaking of which you, uh, yeah.
1: Justin Justin Lopez had just sent a tweet about how next week is Back to the Future Day.
3: Oh man. You want to so, dive, you wanna dive right into Back to the Future.
1: I think we I think we got to. It's back to the Future Day.
2: <laughs> yeah. More po- <laughs> More importantly, fans, I'm sure you're super excited by our music intro that just came in. I get goosebumps every time I listen to it. I know you guys do too. <laughs> All
1: right. Sorry, sorry to interrupt the intro, Glenn, but uh, <laughs> to throw that
2: out there. <laughs> I'm down for it for what you're saying though, for back to future.
3: I think uh that music intro is the first thing musical I've put effort into in probably a good 15 years.
2: Well, now I feel horrible. I did not know that. <laughs> <It's fine. laughs>
3: It was I supposed do, to be different. There was a the thing I just wanted to sample stuff. I was like, "If we sample stuff, we're gonna get taken down." Like it was a thing. It was a whole thing, Matt. Well, we didn't have music
2: before. On a, a I know.
3: Here. Well, they they have it now, and it's really weird. It's like this countdown, like dun 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 dun, and it's just every time I'm like, "This is a bit much."
2: Do you get excited?
3: No, I I talk over it and make funny noises. <laughs> uh, you know, because I'm a professional, but I'm not that professional. So, ah, uh, it's good mm-hmm. to see you guys. So, Matt you did the most classic thing for someone our age, which is you were trying to stay up late and then you fell asleep Monday night.
2: Yes. If, and and our, our uh, wrestling fans will probably appreciate this in my truck. No less <laughs> in my truck purposely trying to stay up. I was working and I'm like, well, I have, to, I have to concentrate on work. That'll keep me wide awake, obviously. And I'm going back and forth on emails with, you know, people I'm trying to get into treatment and boom, I, I conked out my head forward my, my chin to my chest. My neck was killing me when I texted you guys like at two in the morning when I woke up. Wow. I said to my wife, I'm like, did you not notice I wasn't in the house at all? Any- anywhere? <laughs> you know?
3: <laughs>
2: I mean, your neighbors just must be like, oh, Matt's in his truck again. Yes. <laughs> just hanging yeah. out.
3: Yes. You know? Uh, my mom picked up this behavior like 10 years ago. She will sit parked in a running car. And Just like check her email every time she gets a car, she, she doesn't text while driving, she doesn't do anything while driving, but she'll just sit there parked with the engine running and just yep. respond to emails. Text, yeah. Sometimes she would leave our house, we'd go out an hour later. It's like my mom's still sitting there on her phone just in front of our house.
2: It's very, very weird in, in the moment. She's banging them all out one by yeah. one, yeah. No, it's it's uh,
3: it's key, but uh, so Monday we were a little off the rails today. We're going to start talking about some horror movies about the 1980s. Um... Freddie and Jason, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th. Now, it was just Friday the 13th, so of course, like, six cable channels are like, we're doing a marathon.
2: Yes, and for for folks that are tuning in right now, we're also going to uh, cover a couple other subjects as well. Uh, Bill and Dennis, uh, a Logan Paul fight, uh, along with uh, my thoughts on one Tony Khan. But for now, the main event, the enchilada of today's show is um, this. And I want to say, just right from the gate, I was... Terrified, Guys, I don't know how it was for you as kids, but granted, all those movies were... Friday the 13th was scary, absolutely. I was always scared around the lake, especially nighttime camping, right? But nothing close to going to sleep and Freddy Krueger oh, coming yeah. in my dreams and screwing me up. I was terrified of him. Terrified. Yeah, yeah. it's a
3: powerful concept, right? And, you know, even before <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street, did you guys see Dreamscape when that came out in 1983? Yes. Like with Dennis Quaid and Snake Man? Yeah. Like, yes, yeah, that 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 in 83, I guess I was seven years old. I saw that. And I was like, I'm going to die in my sleep. Someone's going to murder me in my sleep. And yeah. so Nightmare on Elm Street just tapped into that times 100.
2: Yes, they did. And my brother one day had to give me, because I was so scared to go to sleep. He one time, it was right at the time with the, oh God, what number Nightmare on Elm Street was it? Dream Warriors. Yes. Where they figured out how to finally fight back in your dream and the superpowers you could have in your dreams. And that gave me a little bit of confidence as a little as a little kid um, yeah that's pretty cool because my brother never did cool things like that it's always the opposite making it worse making it scarier <laughs>
3: yeah
1: i w- I just rewatched the first friday the 13th um just a-, a couple days ago totally forgot that there was no hockey mask whatsoever no not till personal. three it's not till three even until three and was- two he's got no a slap
3: over his head no, no hockey mask on jason
1: yeah yeah, that's like is. such the iconic look and uh it is part part one kind of i don't know but rewatching re-watching it i was like oh man this i mean for for what it did it it, it was you know pretty fantastic it's an independent film made for five hundred thousand dollars and went on to become wow. you know iconic series but that first one is just by the numbers and it, and even like the kills that they do it's like ah and then they show you know an accent that um uh, so it it You know, I I feel like as the first movies go, that first Nightmare on Elm Street was far superior. That was just freaky as hell. The the girls jump roping, you know, already coming. That just freaks you out. And uh, like of opinion, horror movies of all time.
2: And and look, not just being a complete wrestling mark here, but you're out of your mind if you don't think those Undertaker videos, you know, he's coming and things like that, did not first did not start from that jump roping scene or mm-hmm. the the, the kid singing one two freddy's coming for you yeah it's, it makes it more eerie it just does yeah.
3: yeah um so matt i was talking about this with raj who did not have the same childhood that i think you and i had in some ways but do you remember on the schoolyard before there were cigarettes before there were drugs before there was sex the the badass factor as a little kid in the 80s was oh my god i saw this i saw friday the 13th you know part three and there was a kill i don't know if you could handle it man but i watched it and yeah man yeah. it was bloody it was scary but people would talk about this and we talked about faces of death which raj heard about as a kid but that was the one where it was like you were the most hardcore badass if you could handle watching faces of death
2: yes absolutely and like you uh, for me i always thought like i was one of the older kids by being able to say i saw this um, yeah marin elm street for example and i was so cool because of it, because the kids in my grade a lot of them were not allowed to go watch it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah.
3: <laughs> no, I remember every kid would brag about R-rated movies. My big memory, and I didn't see this movie till three years ago. I remember in the early 80s, some kid was like, I watch R-rated movies. I saw Gorky Park the other night. And I was like, Oh, what's this Gorky Park movie? And then I watched it. And I'm like, it's this dull murder mystery that takes place in Russia. But it happens to be rated R. It's yeah. like just if you were watching R-rated movies and you were like up to the fourth grade, like you were you were cool. You were hardened, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yep. I was, I've never seen, I had never seen an R rated movie until high school in the theater. Like, oh. I think the first one I saw was Candyman.
2: You never, wait, that was scary, by the way. You were yeah. not, um, wait, you never snuck into an R rated movie like after watching a PG movie with your friends?
1: R rated movies, yes. Like, I saw Rambo in the theater, um, a not couple horror. of those, but, but not horror, yeah. But they were like strict at the, the the theaters where I was growing up, where they had people at the front and <laughs> you know and you know roaming the hallway so you couldn't sneak into another movie.
2: So Damn, it was that yeah. stinks. Ours was wide open once you got past that popcorn, you know, yeah. area.
3: <laughs> I remember um, the worst was when you would go see an R rated movie and like your parent would buy the tickets, but they made them go in and sit with you. So one was Freddy's, uh, Freddy's Dead. A friend's mom had to go and sit in that with us. They wouldn't let her, they were made sure she didn't leave the theater. She didn't Mm -hmm. sit near us. But the worst, and I've told this story before, was I I loved River Phoenix. so I wanted to see a night in the life of Jimmy Reardon. So my mom Mm -hmm. bought the ticket and they were like, you have to go sit, you have to go accompany your child. And I sat next to my mom watching like the most explicit, like every scene is talking about sex, having sex. Hey, we're planning to go have sex. I'm sitting there right next to my mom during the entire thing. It was one of the most mortifying experiences of my life. Oh, I Um, bet. God, uh, I but I'll, I've never told this story before. I only really ever snuck into a movie without paying once as a kid, and mm. we saw Transformers the movie,
0: the and first one when we the were kids. First right, one, yeah, yeah. I and, cried, and, and I the cried next
3: theater was Flight of the Navigator playing at the same time. More importantly, did you cry at the end of the Transformers? Yes, yes, it was that. sad. It was very sad, and I was like, what? "Ooh, and Judd Nelson's a voice in this. Like, this is cool." And it, the Stambush, the touch—I mean, it was great. But I didn't want to go home. I was still digesting Transformers, and my friend was like, "Let's go into Flight of the Navigator."
2: so our movie theater was hooked up to our shopping mall okay and back in the day going to malls was like the rage like on friday nights if you were in like middle school you'd go go mess around in the food court and stuff like that for like two or three hours while your mom yeah. and dad took you there is either they go home and come back for you or they go shopping right so they would usually my parents just drop us off and then come back later um after the movie is supposed to be done and then pick us up. Uh, So I remember calling, like, oh, yeah, we're going to the mall. It's connected. It's no big deal. We're we're walking over to the mall. We're going to get something to eat, go mess around at, I think, it was like a record store. Yeah, oh, yeah. very big, right? Yeah. Um, And get a new Motley Crue pin for my sweet jean jacket. Um, (laughs) But, and not do that. And not just go into an R-rated movie for another, you know, two and a half uh, hours or an hour and a half.
3: Well, I, I was always Mr. Paranoid. So we watched Transformers. It's not going to fight in the Navigator. Pack Theater. And I'm convinced, like, somebody saw us come in here, man. We're going to get busted, yeah. man. I can't do it, man. I'm going to crack. Yeah. And I can't go out through the front because they're going to interrogate me. So I see the exit sign right near the screen. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm going to go yeah. out through there. I cool. open the door. What? Was it daytime? Really quick. Was it daytime? It or was now? daytime. <laughs> oh, Glenn. Sunlight. <laughs> goes into the theater, a siren starts going off. The only time in my life I have ever crapped my pants was at that moment and I sprint across the parking lot (laughs) to run away. I found out later from my friend who stayed in the movie, they had to stop the movie, the fire marshal had to come in, people were pissed off, Uh, it was a whole thing. I never got in trouble for it. I Mm. never got caught, but I went home and I was like, the police are going to come here any minute, man. Yeah. Like I'm going to be in so much trouble for this. And that was like the most terrified I was as a young child.
2: Your first first time. Your your friends didn't stop you and tell you this was going to happen. I was with one friend and he
3: was like, screw you pussy. I'm staying for the movie. You want to leave, you leave. He Uh, didn't know I was going to go out the, he didn't know I was going to go out the exit door. He thought I was going to go out the front, you know, like a normal person, but no, yeah. Um, yeah, and it was it was a traumatic yeah. childhood memory that still haunts me to this day.
1: The first time I I switched movies where we bought tickets and went to something else, and this girl I was dating, uh, it was for basic instinct, and they were no. like strict on that. Like they would not, they were checking yeah. IDs, they were treating it like you're buying alcohol. Yeah,
2: same and same so, where I
1: live. Yeah, couldn't get in. So uh me and this girl I were dating, we, we were, I think we got like uh tickets to beauty and the beast or my cousin Kenny <laughs> or something like that, went in. And that's stuck in the other theater. And same thing, Glenn. I was just so paranoid every time someone was coming in. I'm like, oh, no, they got us. And just the whole movie, just, you know, just in constant paranoia,
2: I worried that we were going to get busted. Can I just say something while we're on the subject of Basic Instinct? <laughs> How was that an iconic scene looking back today in 2023? A woman unparts her legs. And that's, remember, go back in time. That was in They'd consider that an iconic scene in movie history. Right. Like, I'd say in the nineties. Remember? Well, late, did, late 90s? Yeah. Well, early it was early. when I was like 91,
3: but you normally didn't see that in but, an already film y-
2: years yeah. afterwards. I'm talking yeah. about when they would show yeah. clips of different magical moments in movies and that would be on it.
3: Yeah. Well, I think it was because, okay. So the lore of that scene is very interesting. At the time it came out, Sharon stone was seen as like, Oh, can't believe she had the, the bravery, the guts
2: to do yes. this. Be so, so poised major star yeah. Her private yeah yeah
3: and so that was it but then in later years she said oh i didn't know they were filming when they did it like joe esterhouse like uh and paul wow. verhoven kind of like conned me into doing this like the story changed a little bit but people still look huh. at that scene for what it was because it, i think it was just so shocking that like if you're watching that movie like if you're watching any movie you know from the 80s or 90s there's mm-hmm. all these levels of nudity that you would see. And even in some movies, we talked about like Elizabeth shoe and cocktail, like she's topless, but she's seen from behind or you see a little bit from the side. And you would occasionally see like full frontal nudity, male nudity. You would almost never see, but to mm-hmm. have that level of like explicit female nudity at the time was like, Holy yeah. shit. You know? And then, uh, after that, which I don't think the world was clamoring to see, but was like Harvey Keitel and bad Lieutenant, I think, uh, where it's like full frontal male nudity. I was like, Okay, that's that barrier's been broken down now. Um, It's it's interesting uh, the way people are with it, but Basic Instinct. I mean, already in movies in general, they used to take seriously. What's funny though, Ross, to your point about paranoia and what we're talking about with people like checking everything. I had a lot of friends that worked at movie theaters, probably starting around the time Basic Instinct came out, and that continued through the '90s. And it was funny that most people that worked at movie theaters. Did not give a shit. Kids buying R-rated movie tickets, whatever. People sneaking into movies, eh, maybe they're buying more popcorn. But at every theater, there was like one employee who was like the Dwight Schrute, who it was yeah. job to save the theater, you know, three bucks and <laughs> wanted to bust everybody.
2: So yeah. part, part, part of that is at my movie theater, the, well, there's always a police officer outside. When, oh. Because his yeah. ticket lines were very long sometimes. Mm-hmm. And for some stupid reason, I always thought like they were, the cops were like, kind of in on it. Like they, <laughs> they would know if I went and bought an R-rated ticket and I'm on their age, they're going to know and I'm going to be carted off the jail <laughs> or something like that. Like,
3: like, could, you, could you imagine down at the precinct, the captain, you know, and uh, I'm just uh, picturing Inspector Todd from the Beverly Hills Cop Series, just being like, Axel, while you're out there doing your shenanigans, Matt Morgan bought a ticket <laughs> <laughs> the basic instinct, and they sold it to him, and he went in and saw. Do you care about your badge?
1: they like going <laughs> for a drug drug bust, and they get the call on the the walkie talkie. Like, hey, we got a a movie break in.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> there was one time, uh, there was a snowstorm, and and me and a buddy of mine, we went to see. I think it's like my best friend's wedding, and then afterwards, we snuck into U.S. Marshals, and so we watched two movies, you know, for the for the price of one. Get out the movie theater is locked up. We couldn't get out. And so we had to go through the fire exit. And that was uh, one time when the, the fire alarm went off and we just ran off. I don't know if the cops showed up and fire, you know, uh, fire trucks, but it, it was in the middle of a storm. So, uh, that's crazy. It probably didn't. Yeah.
3: Um, but back to the matter at hand. So Friday the 13th came out at the very beginning of the 1980s. It feels like a seventies film in many ways. The original. Yeah. Uh, nightmare on Elm street came out 84,
1: it's amazing if you look at those two how much more, and granted Friday the 13th was originally an independent film but mm-hmm. just how much more advanced Nightmare on Elm Street was as far as the special effects And you know, you had the girl in the ceiling and you know, just their their visual effects were were really ahead of its time in a lot of ways.
2: In fact, if, oh sorry Matt? Which one was the Nightmare on Elm Street where Freddy's face was all over like the pepperoni pizza? Four. That made me not like pizza for about six months by the way i was you guys know, no clothes scared of this guy i was i was cry. i was terrified of him i'd watch yeah. all the movies like an idiot making it worse but
3: oh yeah well okay so let's let's go chronologically on nightmare because i think we both agree that's the better series yeah like friday the 13th that we'll, we'll talk about it but nightmare on elm street's the first one came in a4 genuinely terrifying film Wes craven um you know freddie was dark grimy mean uh this was not funny freddie that we got later Fun fact, uh, that scene where Tina's being dragged all over the room, and that was the one I remember hearing people talk about schools like, oh, it's so scary, man. You can't even see the killer, and yada, yada. They built a spinning room for that to shoot that. And so they mounted the camera. The camera was hard mounted to the room. Amanda Weiss was literally being spun on this contraption on this gimbal and she was moving all over acting like she was being killed and that's how they got it to look like she was on the ceiling being dragged up the wall all that because the camera was stationary now that same spinning room they used for the dance sequence with turbo and break into electric boogaloo when he starts dancing on the
2: ceiling yeah that's another one of my favorite movies of all time by the way wow exact same set
3: yeah uh that. they redressed it but it's the same gimbal they built uh the big box so um and nightmare on elm street you know yes uh is, is jason voorhees appropriately named the chats pointing out also independent new line cinemas it's really they called new line cinemas for many years the house that freddie built up until teenage yep. mutant ninja turtles because all that freddie money paid for everything new line did in the 80s so so the first one came out surprise hit west craven originally didn't want there to be a sequel um the studio insisted on that ending with the car and the convertible and the mom and was it a dream or wasn't that was a studio insistence um but i mean the first film is damn near perfect as far as horror movies go as far as any movie goes and heather langencap is so amazing as nancy young johnny depp is glenn that was the first time i ever saw somebody with my name in a movie it freaked me <laughs> out as a kid yeah that's <laughs> a big deal um and uh yeah, the ending
1: was perfectly creepy. Like the the car, the roof of the yeah. car had the the uh, the, the Freddie Krueger sweater. You know, look. oh yeah, it was just it was awesome. Um, and one thing I, I really liked with the, with that also was uh, Robert Englund. Just how amazing yeah. he was as Freddie Krueger. Because that birth that one that they did without him, where they had a different guy playing girl Haley. Yeah, you could just see the difference. You know, in in charisma and. And everything between the two, it's it's not like you could just wear that makeup and be Freddy Krueger. He was—he's like the one and only that could really pull it off at that level.
2: Yeah, I mean Uh, everything. Everything he did also was like his own gimmick, was his own shtick, was his own calling card. Even like with the Freddy, we've all done this with the Freddy Krueger hand. How we used to go like perfectly like that, like like he had so many like calling cards.
3: Well, and it blew my mind that he was also on V as Willie,
2: the friendly alien. Yes, I knew that. And I recognized <laughs> it, by the way. I swear to God, that helped me a little bit because my brother tried to point that out to me because I yeah. loved the V series. It was on Friday nights. I'll never forget V. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh So, but you know what's funny though? When the first Nightmare came out, I think maybe I heard whispers of it, but a year later when Freddy's Revenge, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 came out, New Line promoted the hell out of that. And I remember seeing that, trailer like whenever i would watch friday night videos i would watch the late night uhf stations and that trailer would creep me out and i have trouble sleeping yeah oh my god yeah yeah it was super scary
1: and there was something with those 80s movies where they're the you know the the footage is all grainy it's not like all clean and hd like it is today that made that gave it that extra layer of creepiness you know and and that's why the old nightmare on elm streets are you know just that much scarier than than the newer ones that they did
3: yeah. I mean, they look, yeah. it looks like the graininess. um, yeah. It just adds to that sense of like realism, uh, pseudo realism. It makes it much scarier. And I think part two, you know, I didn't see part two until later. And I remember it's, it's a controversial one is that it, it doesn't feel, it feels the least in the continuity of nightmare on Elm street. It's like somebody moves into Freddie, into Nancy's house. Um, mm-hmm. you've got a, a boy protagonist instead of a female protagonist. Um, mm-hmm. And it's actually really interesting. Uh, I mean, we don't have to get into all. There's documentaries. There's so many articles about this. But in hindsight, it's actually been celebrated as like uh, Mark Patton, who played Jesse Walsh, was like the first male scream queen. And a lot of people are like, "Oh, this was a very uh, uh like uh, for it was a very homoerotic take on Freddy Krueger." And when you watch it now, you definitely can see that. And I understand why a lot of people celebrate the film for
2: that reason because it's very I different. Need it. I need I need to watch that one again then.
3: Yeah, it's really different. It's really different than the other movies. But it was very popular at the time. It made more money than the first one, which is why we got a part three. And they got Wes Craven back for Dream Warriors, which um, in my mind, look, I love the first Nightmare. I've seen it a million times, but I I could go to watch Dream Warriors anytime.
2: That's what I watched before we did this podcast again. Yeah. That was my favorite one.
1: I think that's the first one I saw.
3: Yeah, because well, that would have been the right time, right? It was like, uh, what was that, 86, 87? Right. Like, we all knew yeah. about it. We all heard about it. And I remember, because I was scared, I, I don't think I'd seen the first two movies yet. I'd heard about them, but I was afraid. So I remember they came out with a novelization of parts one, two, and three. And I was like, well, if I read this first and I know what's <laughs> going to happen, <laughs> I won't be as scared. So I remember that summer, like my family was traveling. Um, I remember reading it and then watching the movies. Uh, but yeah, part yeah. look, part three, before... Before we got real comic book movies made, part three is the closest thing to an X-Men, New Mutants, Marvel superhero movie with the kids and yeah. their superpowers and their dreams.
2: Yes. hundred. Yes. Yes.
3: So good. Mm-hmm. It's such a good movie. I cannot say enough good things about it. Just the atmosphere, yeah. the pace and the fact they got Heather Langenkamp back as Nancy. Like that movie is is probably, you know, in my top three favorite horror movies of all time
2: yeah freddy too, is definitely.
3: funny scary all of
2: it yes
3: he's you all packaged
2: in that he's, yeah. he's still did. he does lose the scariness the only thing that helped me a lot as a little kid again and again was the ability to know that i cannot control my dreams that means yeah. for everything so like those dreams that i would have falling off of a building right and you're in mid-flight falling down or um and you're gonna die because you fell off a bridge so something weird like that or you're drowning like i used to have crazy dreams like that and um, I'm, you think I'm crazy, but I learned how to not be as so scared because I was I was a kid that was on Ritalin as a little boy, right? So I'd have these crazy dreams from it. And my brother and my mom telling me that, well, look, you can control your dreams off of that movie. And I, I'm not joking. I would try to. And some of them I could, especially if it was like a sports-related dream <laughs> um, where I'm hitting a home run instead of, you know, striking out butt naked in front of my whole entire school. <laughs> you know what I mean? A weird dream. <laughs> Um, but it's serious. Um, that movie was powerful as hell for me. Yeah. It's
3: incredible. Um, I rewatched it last year. I feel like every, every probably once every five to 10 years, we watch all the the nightmare movies in a row. Um, and what I love about that is picking up the continuity of the original. Uh, it's like, yeah, it's like, I love the character, Nancy. I love what they did with the, um, the hypnosil, the idea there's a drug that suppresses your dreams. I like how they introduced that. I like yeah. the idea of Freddie's uh, bones and, Everything they did with the holy water, I thought. You know, for some reason, I will pop for any movie where they have to like where they, they do a Monster Squad too. Any movie where you run into the church and you like fill up the bottle of holy water and
2: then. <laughs> did Monster so, Squad fill, fill up water pistols? Water pistols, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I
1: so, so you said top three horror movies of all time that that makes it Dream
3: Warriors. I think Dream Warriors in the top three. I mean, but it's what, almost what else? Beyond, would you put? Well, I mean,
2: Jaws is incredible. If you count, I
3: don't count that
1: as. I
2: don't put movies. that. Even though I was scared crapless that summer to go in the water, mm-hmm. which I guess does the point of it. I never thought of it. As ho- I never thought of it as horror, though.
3: I mean, yeah. I still don't go in the water. I still won't. Go- I won't go in a swimming pool at night because of Jaws. Like, yeah. if I can't see the bottom, I'm not in there, man. You
2: that's know, that's true. You know what? My own, my own, we had we had an above ground pool where I'm from in Connecticut, um, and at, at nighttime I wouldn't go. You're yeah, right, that's my point.
3: So, Raj, it's not a horror movie, but it has a. It's still a lifelong yeah. fear in people. Like, you
1: have know? you seen? Have you seen open water?
3: Yeah, I've seen no. parts of open water.
1: Yeah. It, that movie, because that's about sharks too, yeah. and getting and getting stuck in the middle of the ocean.
2: Well, um, well, that's name, more of a horror movie. Well, let's name well let's let's name them. So my 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 horror movies are gonna be like the main meat and really? potato one, the Freddy's, the Jasons, the Leatherfaces, yeah. et cetera. I'm gonna go with like so Dream Warriors for me is my ultimate, my number one. Yeah. But uh I'd go to Friday the thirteenth, part three as well. Mm. Okay. I thought three was good. Um and then the original Leatherface.
1: Wow, Texas Chainsaw. Okay, yeah.
3: Now Raj, Matt, you missed uh, Raj, who may have had a beverage, an adult beverage or two Monday night. Claimed there were only eight great horror movies ever made, uh, <laughs> ever? ever, and he said, "What was it? The Shining." The my Elm, number one. A Nightmare on Elm Street. Joyride Screen. with Paul, Joyride with Paul Walker. <laughs>
1: yeah, that is, if that counts.
3: Scream, uh, psycho. Oh, the scream, and he said yeah. at the time he couldn't remember the other four. So scream, we've got one.
1: <laughs>
2: psycho, psycho, would, Massacre. psycho deserves me, and I should have probably psycho's psycho. really good. I should have yeah. put that in there.
1: Um, but even yeah, but psycho what else can you can you name more than eight?
3: Yeah, I mean Rosemary's Baby is okay. fucking creepy as hell.
2: Yeah. Well the pin, the pinhead movies were what were they called? Those were uh, Hellraiser, stuff. those Brothers. were terrifying exorcist.
3: Uh, Exorcist, oh, God. Yes.
2: There's,
1: a, there's more than eight. I, I was.
3: Uh, yeah. I mean, Texas Chainsaw so, Massacre, I, I've i never successfully made it through watching the first one all the way. I'm just like, this hmm. is just too heebie jeebies. It looks too real. Like, it just really freaks me out. Like, it's so gritty and grimy. I mean, watch the original Last House on the left, which Wes Craven also did. Like, that's oh. also just like, this feels like, uh
2: That's what I thought they're both very similar to, actually. Yeah. I always thought yeah. that. I was terrified of that movie, too, by the way, Glenn
3: yeah no and that's the thing so i think there's a lot of great horror but for me no i think nightmare three uh definitely up there jaws definitely up there it's tough to really pick a third one i mean there's a lot of horror movies that i love but i love them for different reasons
1: take out jaws let's not count that so nightmare on street three (laughs)
3: lifelong
1: phobia
2: because of it i I love the fact that you just pulled one of his top three out of his own (laughs) top three.
1: That's like. Uh, I mean, Carrie is like really the, good. That's like putting the frighteners on there, you know, with Michael Keaton. I,
3: I mean, <laughs> Carrie, Carrie is a really scary movie and okay. really good. But again, but Carrie though, okay. Carrie is also complicated because it's a, it's, it's supernatural, <laughs> and it's got scares in it. But it's also like you're the protagonist of the movie is the bad guy. No, that's not really the bad guy. But yeah, it's a different. It's a different type film. So I don't right. know. I mean, it depends on what the criteria
2: is. Like in terms of just what
3: terrifies right. me. I mean that varies, you know, and there's it?
2: yeah. How about how will we narrow it down, Glenn, then to has to be a horror movie with a a, a monster ish type of villain.
3: Okay. Um hmm. see, I mean, I think the fly is really fucking terrifying. With really? Jeff Goldblum. But think Why about
2: let's take that out too (laughs) i was was grossed out by it and it's sad
3: it's sad at the end when he wants her to kill him like to me to me that's scary okay there's two types of fear right it's like there's fear of like i'm afraid of the person the creature the monster the situation but then there's scary where it's like oh my god i can't even imagine what this would be like to have this happen to me and it's so terrifying and sad and like haunting seven
1: seven to me was haunting and and, you know like uh, upsetting but yeah. I wouldn't count that as a horror movie, you know. So
2: listen, you're 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 listen. You're in your neighborhood. You're with one. you at one of your friend's house. It's yeah. now dark. You're sprinting home, and I don't know about you guys, but I used to always in my head like, "Oh crap, Freddy Krueger, or Jason, somebody's gonna be chasing me," um, and okay. maybe run faster. I'll tell um, you, you want to so what put mine that is? in your head? Yeah. Okay. Who, you guys what, are gonna believe this. You want to know what mine is?
3: That you know what I think when that goes through my head, Matt? Velociraptor is gonna get me. Oh. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, movie. I don't even find the Jurassic Park movie scary, but I find the Velociraptors terrifying. <laughs> all
1: right, so <laughs> I got I got The Shining, yeah. Scream, Nightmare on Elm Street, boom, scream? all three more movies. Scream. Scream's scream. not really scary, not, not necessarily though. scary, but
2: great. It's funny. Yeah, yeah. it's funny,
1: but it's great. Like uh, my my daughter, my oldest daughter, she, she loves that movie too. But just as far as greatest horror movies of all time, not scariest. Yeah, but great. Okay, uh, I put that
2: up. There. I, I think that's what you're saying. So, so in my head, when you say Grace horror movies, it's me. I'm home by myself Friday night. Mom yeah. and dad are bowling. My brother's supposed to be babysitting me, but he's not. He's yeah. with his friends. It's eleven o'clock. They're still not back, and I got to get up and go pot. I got to like the potty in the middle of the night, right? So I yeah. go and I sprint to my bathroom, pee as quickly as I can, sprint back and jump into my bed as fast as I can because something's gonna get me. That's yeah. Yeah. in my head again. What I would put for my top three movie yeah. choices: yeah.
3: Blair Witch. I think for me was that. Um, when I was older, okay, yeah, yeah. And in fact, watching the sequel that came out like 10 years ago or seven it. years ago, I like when it. they showed the Blair Witch for that scene, that like made the first
2: movie even scarier to me. It did, and that was a very frightening scene. yes,
3: yeah.
1: The first one is a classic. I remember seeing it in the, se- the theater like a second time, the theater was full, we had to sit in the front seat, and watching that in the front seat, looking up, and oh, all yeah, the camera shaking it was um, like,
3: but Raj, I know you didn't see it, but dude, hereditary has some stuff in it that hereditary that came out a couple years ago. I think about that. That's one of those middle of the night. Like if I think about that, I'm not falling back asleep.
2: Which There's, hereditary? Like, Who's in that? Uh,
3: that? Tony Colette And uh, then a bunch of people you've never heard of, but it's about a woman and her mom dies. And then like weird stuff starts happening to her kids. Um, mm-hmm. Like that, that really freaked me out. That was very well done. Cause a lot of horror movies look, um, what was the one insidious when that came out, like insidious Ooh. is super creepy up until you see Darth Maul. And then you're just like, that's Darth Maul, dude. Like, that's not that scary.
2: Insidious was terrifying, though. The first half was for me. Yeah,
3: You know? But you also have to kind of buy into it. Like, um, recently on Hulu, everyone was like, oh, my God, you need to watch No One Will Save You. It's kind of like signs. It's an alien invasion, a girl in her house, and there's no dialogue. And we watched that. We were like, we heard this is supposed to be kind of scary. So we turned the sound down a little bit. We turned on some lights, and we were talking during. And it was like, this isn't scary. But if you sit there alone with the lights off and you buy in, then things can be a lot more terrifying.
1: Have you guys seen Wolf Creek?
3: I have not. No.
1: So that I think would be the most unsettling, upsetting, effed up horror movie I've ever seen. And that movie, ever since my wife saw it, I think it came out like 2006, 2007. We used to watch horror movies together before that. After she saw that, she stopped watching horror movies completely. Yeah. Um, it's, It's messed up, but... It is scary. It's freaky as hell. Wolf Creek.
3: We turned off uh, Drag Me to Hell because we were like, "This is a PG thirteen movie," and it was really gross and over the top. And then it would seem pretty obvious something bad was going to happen to the cat. So we were just like, "We're not watching this Ooh, yeah. anymore." Um, what's
1: that movie that with the house invasion that has um... uh,
3: Strangers? Is that no, no uh, um, the uh...
1: what's the actress that was in um... God? What's her name? very famous actress she's the, Tyler, the strangers no 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 uh, <laughs> uh she, she, oh gosh hold on give me a second go but go on
3: citizen kane no um sorry uh so let's talk she was about in mel Halvin
1: drive the actress that was in that naomi watts
3: oh oh uh funny games
1: yeah funny games that movie was was messed up because they like kill a kid in it and yeah that uh that was pretty upsetting
3: yes uh let's talk about uh yes and halloween as this point out the chat. you know the original halloween okay Ooh. here's the problem you know what the first halloween Ooh. i saw was was halloween Oh.
2: yeah
3: and that kind <laughs> of so, soured me on the series but we're halloween not,
2: but with that said we're not getting enough love here to michael myers michael myers is one yeah. of the all-time like, absolutely I mean, high, scary figures and friday the 13th a was, was a ripoff
3: basis. yeah friday the 13th was a ripoff of halloween
2: and, and Halloween and the reboot,
1: that is the best original reboot combo I think there's been. That hmm.
2: was good. I remember really liking it in the theater when it came out. Yeah. I do. What did you think of Busta Rhymes' performance? Wait, was it H2O?
1: <laughs> yes, I, I didn't see that one. <laughs> I saw
3: that the one. one. <laughs> Dude, there were some bad horror. Series. Like the Halloween series probably has some of the worst sequels. And that's saying something compared to how bad some of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Friday the 13th. So, Halloween's had some of the wackest. Like it's a notch above Leprechaun in Space um, and Leprechaun in the Hood. And Leprechaun goes there's back
2: just, to the hood. There's just something scary about a stiff figure just walking slowly mm-hmm. with a huge butcher knife in his hand. And then yeah. just, man.
3: Yeah. Okay. So, Nightmare 4. The Dream Master, the one you were talking about, with the pizza mat, that's like the MTV Nightmare in Elm Street. Like yes. Rennie, Rennie Harlan, who would go on to do Die Hard 2, Hudson Hawk, and many other films, directed that. Nightmare <laughs> in Elm Street 4 visually is one of the best looking horror movies of all time.
2: It, it is. I liked it. I liked it. I know a lot of people like Clown It. I don't know why. I thought it was good. And I did a lot more in my head, to ha- like after the movie was done for the next year yeah, of random stuff stuck in my head that I'm scared of. It's a good movie. And I, I love the continuity. <clears throat>
3: I love the continuity with part three. It's a bummer that Kristen, Joey, and Kincaid all get killed in like the first 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, this a movie, but did you guys ever watch Dexter? No.
2: Hell yeah. Dexter, yeah. The, you don't watch Dexter the series, Glenn? I
3: didn't I, I didn't watch cable no. for like 10 years.
2: Glenn, is I've, heard it's good. I've heard it's good.
3: I've heard it's, it's good. It's on
2: Showtime. You can watch it on your phone or an app. It, it, you will love this no, series. First, I, it's promise. Good. I promise. I promise.
3: In season four of
1: Dexter, I, I don't know if you it's necessarily scary, but it's Not very unsettling, you know. Mm. And at the end with the girl in the tub to, and,
2: to, okay, yeah, but like true no different than true blood in that regard. It's just mm. very entertaining. Yeah. Um I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I was never scared of Dexter Morgan, were you <laughs> but, uh,
3: part four like
1: you know, it was kind of like something that's in your head after you see it mm. that, that season, especially the end of the uh, the season four finale. I remember that's like fun. couldn't sleep that night. It was yeah. uh, you
2: scared of the Trinity Killer, are you, Raj? The Trinity,
1: <laughs> yeah. the kid, oh, yeah, yeah. the little baby in the blood. It Although like, it is, oh.
2: yeah. I mean, that's a
3: whole. We should do an episode just about like uh twist endings or haunting endings because there's a lot of stuff we could go and do there. But, but the thing I want to talk about in part yeah. four, though, in part four, there's a sequence. And Matt, I don't know when you watched part four last. But there was that scene before the cockroach death where they're when Alice and Dan are trying to get to her and they keep going in a loop again and again, and yes, they can't get yes, there. Yes. That yes. is the most accurate experience of having a stress dream I've ever seen on film.
2: A hundred percent. Who hasn't had that kind of dream where it's, it's
3: so it, brilliant.
2: Very so well brilliant. done. And very, very like I thought like this again, special effects I thought were freaking really, really well done.
3: Yeah. It's uh, so part four is great introduces Alice as the main protagonist that carries over into part five, the dream child weaker. There's like four deaths in the entire movie. There's the bulimia death though, the eating disorder death, which is still like one of the grossest things. Yes, it is. That I've ever seen. Yep. Um, But it's, it's solid. Uh, Alice gets her happy ending at the end, having a child that's not possessed by Freddie. And it was played by that weird kid that was in everything. who was on like full house and, uh, Like, if you see him, you'll know him. I can't remember his name, but he was like the weird... He always was cast as the weird kid in everything. Okay. Um, But then part six, Freddy's dead. Johnny Depp comes back from a cameo. Tom Arnold and Roseanne are in it, in a cameo. Uh, That was more of a comedy. Kind (laughs) of. Young Meyer is uh, in it. Um, And then it had the 3D ending with Yafet Kodo explaining, you need to put these glasses on, these 3D glasses on, they'll protect you in the dream.
2: So, okay, I'm not going to lie. When it came yeah. out, I thought that was cool. I was in the theater with that when that happened. I thought that was cool.
3: Yeah.
1: I uh, know, it, it wasn't scary at all, but it, it was no. it was funny. It was entertaining. I don't
2: you know. The kid with the hearing
3: aid death, the kid with the hearing aid. the that yes, guy yes. That's one of the meanest Freddy deaths yes. ever.
2: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Good call, Glenn. Good memory. Yeah. Um, I was going to say one last thing, though. Guys, you got to remember at this stage in our lives, de- depending on how terrified of Freddy Krueger you were, I wanted to go to these movies. Yeah, they were getting a little bit corny, not cornier, but more, more funny. Freddy was yeah. getting very charismatic, had these catchphrases, and you know, and, and things like that. I liked it simply because it was making me less and less scared of him. I was getting yeah. stronger, more confident. So, like, <laughs> I was. You have no clue how scared of this guy I was. Yeah. yeah.
3: No, no I get it, man. Um, and then a few years later, Wes Craven came out with Part Seven, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, that was yeah. Scream before Scream commenting on horror movies had robert yep. Englund and heather lang in campus themselves there was a new Freddy. like i get that movie and i understand what he's going for i think it's gotten better with age but when that first came out i was like mm. what is this
2: What's- i remember thinking the same thing it was a little bit above <laughs> my it was a little over my head if i remember correctly also um really quick sidebar do you guys remember the Freddy nightmare on elm street the series the
3: series yes yeah. Uh, which Rock, yeah. which Freddie only appears, he's at the beginning and end, but he only appeared yeah. in a, like eight of the episodes across two seasons. We tried watching that after we watched all the movies yeah. a year or two ago. And we, it was, it was bad, dude. Like the, you can right. find them online, but it's hard to make it through some of the entire episodes. Like the acting is bad, but Brad Pitt's in an episode. There's a lot of people yeah. before they were famous.
2: Yeah. The acting is bad. And I do remember that part. And
3: yeah. a lot of the stories were bad, but it's better than Friday the 13th, the series, which had nothing yes. to do with the movies
2: literally nothing
3: nothing there were cursed antiques all the kids that love jason want to see a show about a cursed stopwatch <laughs> <laughs> um and then we finally though as teased in uh jason goes to tell we got freddie versus jason 20 years ago yeah um which was good it wasn't
2: scary
1: but it was good wasn't
2: scary but you're right it was good so it was too iconic you know that's king kong right. versus you know godzilla
1: yeah any of those versus movies are always good uh or always interesting like you always want to see who wins but they never really have a real winner uh like this one freddie versus jason i mean jason technically won but then you saw you know Freddy was, was, was laughing about it so um yeah i always thought they were going to do another one
2: so yeah. it, 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 look, i can't believe i'm about to say the sentence in real life <laughs> um Freddy Krueger would destroy Michael Myers. Michael Myers has to go to sleep at some point. Yeah. And that's it. Game game over. He yeah. can do anything to you in, in your dreams. Anything. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And I liked Unless how Jason they did that.
1: With,
3: yeah. Well, I liked how they did that with Jason where he was controlling him through his dreams and manipulating him. I thought it was clever. Like they wrote a lot of scripts for that that were gonna bring back like Tommy Jarvis from Friday the 13th or Alice yeah. or Nancy. So yeah. it's interesting what they went with, but I liked it. It's fun. Um They should have done more, but it's cool. That finally happened because as kids, we talked about that going back to nightmare three, like, Oh, wouldn't it be cool. if Freddie fought Jason who would win. So to finally see that was awesome. Yep. You know? Um, so that came out and that did really good business. It's shocking. They didn't do another one, but then as happens with all reboots, they rebooted nightmare on Elm street back. Uh, what was it? 2010. Huh. They went for a darker, grimier Freddy. They got Jackie Earl Haley, who played Kelly Lee. Yeah, he played How Kelly Lee. Jackie Earl Haley, who played Kelly Leak in The Bad News Bears when we were kids, and then grew up to play Rorschach in Watchmen, um, hmm. and become a serious actor after his uh, re-debut, played a meaner, much meaner, not funny Freddy Krueger, whose uh, makeup looked more like real burn victims. It wasn't as cartoonish. Um, and they made this dark movie that, in many ways, I think worked except for the fact all the special effects and dream sequences have a ton of CGI. It just immediately make it look like you're watching a video game. So I don't remember this being advertised. I don't. Yeah, it came out. It existed. It's a thing. Oh, I got to go. Find um, it. But it didn't do so well that they didn't make sequels. So now there's talks that again, we might get another reboot, uh, Famously, Robert Englund is saying he can't do it again. He's too old to be physical as Freddie. Robert Englund's choice is uh, Kevin Bacon, of who he wants to play Freddie yeah. Krueger.
2: He could do it. Yeah.
1: That'd be interesting. Who's he was in because, the first he, Friday the 13th.
2: Yeah. Well, he also is very good at getting physically, like losing tons of weight, being super rail skinny, as we've seen in certain movies with him, just for the part, to make yeah. it look more, more realistic. He'd be good, I think. Yeah,
1: Robert England was in uh, the last season of Stranger Things, and he was scary yeah. as hell in that.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: it was great. Um, and I think it was Peter Jackson who did The Lord of the Rings who said he had actually a very interesting idea for how to reboot Nightmare on Elm Street, which is the idea that everybody has their own trauma, their own fears, both real and imagined. So his idea for a reboot was that Freddy Krueger looks is, is a force, but he looks different to everybody like because the idea of what scares you is different to everyone so freddy shouldn't have like one set form which i thought was very interesting but yeah um i would love to see a reboot of the series i think the mythology is strong and dude like dream warriors is such a great concept if they if you told me you were going to reboot nightmare and just make it about people having superpowers in their dreams to fight freddy like in this age of superhero movies i think that would be super successful i do too yeah yeah and it'd be really like, good.
1: i Chica giving you a little crap about, about Jaws.
3: <laughs> Jaws is scary, dude. Jaws 2 is scary. Jaws 3 is cheesy, but scary. And Jaws the Revenge isn't really scary, but. this um, the one where the,
1: the, the shark is out to get revenge? Is that's that Jaws 4,
3: Jaws the Revenge. Okay. <laughs> three is in a water park, which by the way, you know how they advertise walk through that shark tunnel everywhere? Mm. That's why I won't go through a shark tunnel because I saw Jaws 3.
2: Yep. <laughs> yeah, yes. You know what's up. Yes.
3: Joseph yeah.
1: Vendetti saying, I would love one week for you oh, guys yeah. to talk about the Terminator movies. We have, we got to, yeah. even though it's one and two for me after that, there's no Terminators, but
3: TV series was incredible. Yeah. Um, Never saw that. Let's talk about Friday the 13th. First one is Jason's mom. It doesn't feel like a Friday the 13th movie. It's in the woods. Yeah. Jason shows up at the end.
1: Yeah. And they kind <clears> of... <throat> yeah they they, it kind of started off as almost like a whodunit where you you know like the people are recognizing who the killer was um but then at the end it's someone you know that you're not you haven't been introduced to so the the lady that was uh Mrs. Wardy so I thought she did a really
2: good job but outside of that outside of that yeah yeah I I agree with you though she did do a good job Mm -hmm.
3: yeah at the end when she's giving the explanation that's actually the creepiest scariest part of the film
2: it is Yeah. Yeah. yeah
3: Uh, part two, Jason is getting his revenge for people killing his mom. Yep. It's uh, a burlap sack over his head. And at the end, the final girl survives by putting on his mom's sweater and pretending to be his mom and talking to him and then killing.
2: Him. Smart. That was so smart. Yeah.
3: Um, Three, Jason gets the hockey mask.
1: That's the first one I saw.
3: Yeah. And it's in 3D, as everything was in 1983. Jason
1: Voorhees in the chat. (laughs) Friday the 13th 3D with popping eyeballs is the greatest 3D death ever. I never saw
2: it in 3D. Or like the axes being thrown. Yeah. (laughs) That that was pretty cool though. Especially back then. 3D was a huge deal. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely.
3: My favorite Friday the 13th is Friday the 13th part 4, the final chapter with Corey Feldman as a young Tommy Jarvis and Crispin Glover has an amazing dance sequence that he apparently improvised in We're the now. middle of the film.
2: <laughs> I remember this, I swear to God. Yeah. And
3: I remember seeing it, I was like, why is George McFly in this movie? And he's still weird.
1: That's awesome. He is a great weird pr- character because he is yeah. kind of really weird in real life. Yes,
3: yeah. he is. Uh, but part four is great. I'll watch part four was good anytime it's on. Uh, the kills are good. Uh, the, and, and, and Corey Feldman, I mean, I, I think we all agree that we would mark out for this as a kid, you put any movie with a kid that was like a likable kid that was near our age in it. Yep. And it was like, Oh, now I have someone to relate to.
2: Yes. I liked, I'll say I liked almost every movie that kid was in same with Corey yeah. Haim. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Um, part five opens with Corey Feldman for like five minutes. Yep. And, uh, then it's not Jason, in the movie it's someone pretending to be jason killing people at this like outpatient care facility
2: which was scary by the way
3: (laughs) yeah it was uh part six though brought back jason hence the subtitle jason lives uh and that was better like that was and i think that's the only time at camp crystal lake we actually saw kids at camp crystal lake was in part six
2: yeah
1: they didn't kill any kids in that right
3: i don't think so Six is one I haven't seen as much, but my my recollection was that it was was decent. Um, By the way, did you guys also have this? I was really scared to go to summer camp as a kid because of these movies and the movie Sleepaway Camp.
2: So I didn't do Sleepaway. I used to wet the bed. I'm not joking. I used to wet the bed until I was like, what, 11? Mm. But because of that, I could not do the sleepover thing because I'd (laughs) embarrassed myself in front of one of my friends and they'd go tell everybody the next day at school. So no Mm. sleepover from Matt Morgan until I hit about 12. (laughs) <laughs>
3: okay, yeah. but i remember going to sleepaway camp for a week and i was just like we're all gonna die this is all good this is just gonna start at any point i was like this is gonna we're just all gonna be murdered it's gonna be terrible uh and i was miserable at the time i missed my family i missed my cat and then at the end i was like eh, i guess this
2: was okay i did have that for oh god was it cub scout or boy scout camp i don't know yeah i think it was like 13 or 14 and That's a pretty, that's a teenager year. I shouldn't have been scared, but I'm not going to lie, I was. Yeah. Because of those movies, because we were around a lake. Yes.
3: Also, I remember thinking at the time, I was like, but if it's a Red Dawn like situation that happens, we're already in the woods. This is perfect. We can camp out here and fight the invaders.
2: (laughs) For that, yes, but not like Michael Myers coming out of the dang woods and then just axing through my tent and beheading me.
3: Yeah. Uh, Friday the 13th Part 7, The New Blood, first one I saw in theaters. Literally, the, I, the pitch for this movie was, what if Jason Voorhees fought Carrie? So they had a girl with psychic powers that can move things with her mind, fight
2: Jason. That was so cool. That was so
3: cool. Yeah. That was good. It was solid. It was, it was a
2: solid that was a good. That was a great concept,
3: though. Yeah. Yeah, it was good to have Jason have some real competition. Then part eight was Jason takes Manhattan, which sounded amazing until you saw that they shot all of it in Canada and they don't even get to Manhattan until the last 30 minutes.
2: That was horrible. I'm just going to be honest. I was not scared at all by that movie when that came out. Yeah, yeah I never saw that one.
3: Jason's on a boat at one point because they take the boat to New York. Um, it was, it was super corny by comparison. So yeah, yeah, it's super it's... dumb. Uh, Friday the 13th, part nine, Jason Goes to Hell is a weird movie. The idea is that Jason can is a spirit and the way he, they explain the way he keeps coming back is that he can hop bodies. He's like this weird slug like creature that comes out and like jumps into other people's mouths and like takes over them. Um, It's a very weird movie. It's got Steven Williams, who was captain Fuller from 21 jump street as a bounty hunter in it. Who's tracking down Jason Uh, and Aaron Gray from Buck Rogers and silver spoons. Who's Jason Voorhees daughter. Mm. uh or Jen, mm. no jesus voice before his sister part of me his sister yeah um in the film and uh it's very different it's kind of meh but the cool part is when jason dies at the end you see freddy's glove come out and take jason's mask down to hell
2: that was awesome
3: yes
0: yeah.
3: i went and saw it, it twice just for that scene
2: that was <laughs> i remember going bonkers when that happened
3: yeah, I didn't know that was happening. Like, I hadn't read about that. That wasn't spoiled for me ahead of time. I used to read Fangoria. We're talking about going to the mall. I would, like, I had my mall system. It's like I would eat at the food court, usually Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. Um, I would go to Aladdin's Castle, which was the arcade. And then my stores where I'd go to the music store and I go to the bookstore and I go to mm-hmm. the like software store that had video games. But in the bookstore, I would just stand there for an hour and read like Fangoria and Starlog and like different magazines I was too cheap to buy or I didn't have yeah. money to buy, you know?
2: Mm -hmm. thousand a thousand percent the mall was a place to be i'm telling you said my spot was orange julius (laughs) in the in the the, uh food court now did they really put egg whites in the orange julius i never knew i just loved the way it tasted those drinks and they put melted cheese on their hot dogs which i thought was the coolest thing ever
1: (laughs) those were really good i I remember trying to make it at home and it was just disgusting like putting orange it was i was trying to put an orange in a milkshake and
3: Yeah. Um. So then there was a long gap in Friday the Thirteenth movies, and they were afraid to make another one because Jason had the Jason Freddie thing at the end. So they were like, "What can we do that's not going to compete with Freddie versus Jason?" So they said, "I know. Let's send Jason to space in the future."
2: It's the worst. The worst ever.
3: I love this movie, Matt. No, you didn't. I do. For comedy, right? Yeah, because it's like there's Jason in space. We're in the future. Jason has been cryogenically frozen some researchers like bring him aboard their ship. He thaws out and then he just starts murdering everyone on this spaceship. And then the, the two parts that I love is that they beat him, but then he goes to like, it goes in the healing pad and he becomes cyber Jason. That's all like buffed out and metallic and Chrome. But what I love is to distract him. They turn on the holodeck and there's Jason back at cap crystal Lake. And there's these two topless girls that are like, Frolicking and they get in a sleeping bag, and Jason is like, Well, I guess I better murder them. <laughs> and it's the most over the top, like, parody of itself death in the entire Friday the 13th series.
2: I, I, ref- I, seriously, I thought that was the worst. I was pissed. I would spend money on that.
1: <laughs> I, I had stopped watching the, the series
2: by that point. <laughs> most people, a lot of people did, to yeah. be fair. Yeah. And I love that
3: there's like the cyborg and the inventor that made the cyborg, and it's pretty clear he's having sex with his cyborg. Like, it's pretty
2: clear. You are giving this one way too much airtime. This one was horrid. I've rewatched it so many times. It's fun. I think
3: it's a fun movie. It's a dumb movie, but it's fun. Are you saying you think it was good, or did you laugh at it
2: how badly stupid it was?
3: I mean, yes, it's dumb, but I mean, dude, they're all... Here's Okay, here's the difference between Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th nightmare in elm street most of the time you're like this is really smart this is really clever this is really interesting this is gonna be something about friday 13th most of the time it's kind of like well this is just dumb and over the top
2: yes and a lot of it to be fair is is, again meat and potatoes just butchering 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 um versus like that's why freddie was just a better heel i always thought just was way deeper, made you think and it was long lasting that stuff was in my head Mm -hmm. for years i'm talking like five or six years yeah yeah and so I think though that
3: it's it's kind of like how you know wrestling there's like the cheap pop cheap heat he gimmicks. I feel like J- yeah. that's Jason, whereas Freddie yeah. is like, holy shit, this guy's a monster heel that's just incredible, knows how to work the crowd. Blood you line. know, yeah. Bloodline. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. So no, I think J Six. I'm not saying it's a great movie, but for me, like, I find it just very watchable because it's just so the movies were so stupid by that point. It's like let's put him in space. Why not? <laughs> yes, yes. Um. And then Freddy versus Jason, and then in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, they rebooted Friday the Thirteenth. But the reboot is like a mix of the first three movies.
2: I didn't see it. Yeah, it's
3: it's, yeah. Dar- it's it's kind of dark. It's it's kind of darker and meaner and grittier. Like it's not, it's not. Um, He's wearing a hockey any mask anymore. at least. He's wearing a hockey mask. Yes. All right. That's good. Yeah, but it's not as, um, I don't know, it, it's you know, it's kind of like uh, what they did with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. It's not like as gory as that, but it's definitely got that darker edge. And there's been talks, I mean, there's been talks they're going to do a Camp Crystal Lake series. They're going to do something that ties into Jason and bring it back. Uh-huh. There was a great video game four years ago that actually got shut down because the rights to Friday the 13th are now in dispute as to who actually owns it. But there was a video game where you could play and they had all the counselors like 80s style so you could either be one one of like eight camp counselors, or you could be Jason, and then you would just either try to escape Jason and beat him, or you'd be Jason trying to hunt everyone down. It was a great game.
1: Is Missus real quick? it was Missus Bo- Borges, Is she in the uh, the reboot
3: at the no? very beginning? Okay.
2: Yeah. All right. So guys, we got one minute one minute under one hour right now. I want. Yeah. Can we Can we slide into some of the other yeah. conversations that I know a lot of our fans are going to want to talk about? Is that cool? Yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, real quick I did want to mention Suzanne Somers passed away today. Yeah. Uh, oh my god. She was Why 76 it? years old. Uh she had been battling breast cancer for 23 20, years. 23 years. Yeah. And wow. uh, an icon freeze company, my favorite time watching that. I that, that was the first like sitcom that I got into in, in the uh you know growing up and when she was on, Mr. Furley was on, those were just the glory days. And then when she left they brought in uh, someone else. I stopped watching it. But well, she Cindy was wasn't good. good
3: I mean, Terry, give Terry her credit. The third on Three's Company, but yes, Suzanne Summers was the OG. Yeah.
2: Yes, and Mr. Roper, by the way.
3: Yeah, Mr. Roper, the Mr. And Mrs. Roper, man, like, Mrs. Roper was like, born. Like, like um,
1: <laughs> she was the original uh, Peg Bundy.
2: Mrs. Yeah. Roper, but <laughs> Mr. Roper is the first to break that that fourth. Oh line, my God! TV, by deadpanning <laughs> the, the hard cam. Yeah, true. The best. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah,
1: no, I love so many company. our age, so many people uh first crush.
3: Yes. Yeah, Suzanne Summer was incredible. Suzanne Summers was incredible. And it's amazing that um
2: Blondie, Blondie or Suzanne Summers, I would say, yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah. And when you learn though what happened behind the scenes, how basically she got fired because she wanted to make as much money as John Ritter did, and they got yeah. rid of her. You know, it's crazy.
2: Yeah.
3: You know, yeah. th- I mean she, but you know, hey, she sold like millions of those thigh masters,
2: Yeah. Oh my God, that's right! I forgot about that. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah she did it okay, man. She did okay, and she had step by step later yep. uh, mm-hmm. as a series. Uh, she she's the sheriff in first run syndication. But you no, know, Susan Summers a really interesting person. Just if you ever listen to interviews she's given or the life that she's led, and uh, yeah, man, it's crazy. Just as we keep getting older, all these people that we loved in our childhood and teen years yeah. are
2: passing on. Yeah, man. Yeah, crazy. So that Raj brought it down with that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I might as well
2: great, get great that. Segue, great segue, great <laughs> yeah. Raj. Um so how how can we do this? You tell me which of the two topics you guys want to discuss first.
1: Let's uh let's do uh let's
2: do Tony Khan. So can I so we want to set the table of what happened on Twitter, uh Glenn, or do you want me to? I mean me you go opinion. for it. You go for it, Matt. You
3: get you you give your crap. So you want I'm me to read John the tweets Trump. real quick?
2: Or? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. All right, so
1: uh, so Tony Khan, uh, after they lost the the ratings, he uh tweeted this week two active decades long rating streaks from two great legends were ended. With all due respect, until this week's head to head AEW on TBS versus WWE on USA, neither John Cena nor Undertaker had ever been on a WWE show with under 1 million total viewers plus under 400k in the demo, and then after that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
2: <laughs> really quick, dear Tony Khan, that's like being the world's tallest short person. Congratulations, dude. Nobody cares.
1: Nobody cares. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah I, I had mentioned. I was like, uh, up until that point, Edge had never been on a uh, <laughs> a nationally uh, televised cable show that did under a million viewers, and either. not
2: including Ring of Honor, of course. Neither yeah. did Daniel Bryant. neither did John Moxley, um, neither did half of the guys that WWE, all the WWE stars that came to aid of Chris Jericho. Um, but I, I don't like that he's doing this because I, I want to ch- continue to cheer AEW on. They need to be successful. A lot of my friends need jobs and get, we'll get jobs there. If the ones that are still even there right now making great money. He should not be out there as the face of their company. He's not out there wrestling. There's no money to be made by him doing all of these interviews and these tweets and everything like that. He needs to chill out and take a back seat. And, and, yeah. and God forbid, get one of his talents out there. Let MJF yeah. do his thing. He's fantastic out there on media mm-hmm. and staying in character while he does. He does it better than anyone in the business. Actually. Yeah. Um, he's got plenty of stars. Get them out there. And yeah.
1: then, then the next day he tweets, uh, this weekend marks one year since Mayo clinic saved my mom's life. Awesome. You know, great tweet so far. Uh, you know, uh, I had sent him a message last year saying, you know, that's great to hear you about your mom. She pulled through obviously, right, uh, you you know, and praising Mayo Clinic. But then he goes, during her her ordeal, many AEW talent came to me alleging WWE tampering, including them to break their contracts. I'll never forget these phone calls at her side in the hospital. It's when business became personal for me. So bringing WWE into a tweet where he's talking about the Mayo Clinic saving his mom's life.
2: So I'm not in his head, I'm not in his body, I'm not in his life, so I don't know if he's if he's telling the truth or not, right? So we have to assume he is because that's disgusting if that's not the truth, sure. right? I'm sure he is. Obviously. Yeah. So I didn't see that tweet, so I can't really I – don't, I don't know what to say. I'm just hearing it for the first time you're you reading it. Um. Mm-hmm. But, but what I mainly wanted to discuss was, again, him going way overboard and trying to find these mini wins within wins within wins within wins. You know, according to my calculations from, you know, 8 o'clock – to you know eight o'clock and 32 seconds. We're only 600,000 viewers behind them, which has never been done. You come on, like stop, stop, dude. It's just when you do when you when you're number one, you don't sweat number two. You don't even bring up number two, right? Right. So I get that he needs to, he thinks he needs to take pot shots at the big monster that is WWE. But when he does that, there's those of us that were chairing AEW on to legitimately beat WWE one day, right? We all want I I would imagine want to see that happen because it's good for the business. Mm-hmm. But yeah. when he does things like this, it makes people not like him. And then by proxy, maybe not like the product. Mm. Um, and and it hurts the talent that's on that show. He needs to stop, get these guys on the air to do on these interviews and podcasts. Let them take over, let them do their interviews because he gets put in these positions. Like I saw on the Dan Levitard show. Well, they're asking him about the situation with CM Punk. Hey, what really happened? And he would not give him anything. And Dan Lebitard, you could tell his friends with Tony, okay, with a connection from football and soccer, I'm guessing, over the years. Um, telling him outright, for those that don't know, Dan Lebitard is a good sports talk show. I've watched it for years back when he was on ESPN. But with that said, they could tell their friends. And he was still, you could see, getting pissed off that Tony's not giving him anything. It goes, Tony, you're giving me everything you give all these other podcasts, all these other uh, talk shows. Give me something different. Tell me just one small detail about it. And Tony wouldn't budge. And he looked. His eyes were all bugging out of his head at the, like they always are. And, and, and just over the top, just, just I'm not going to even say charismatic, just something like, like he just took like five fat burners and, and, and just like super energetic, but would not give him anything you know, about the CM Punk scenario. I'm sure there's reasons for it but that's why he should not be doing these interviews because yeah. if you're an interviewer, what else are you going to talk to this guy about? Yeah. Like I don't want to talk to him. I want to talk to the stars of that damn show. Not him. I want to talk. I want Adam Copeland on my show and say, Hey, what's the difference between the two companies? Go tell me. Yeah. Where, well, how come he's not been doing, how come they have him out there doing any?"
1: Yeah. Ariel Helwani. I remember he, he said that Tony Khan was the worst interview he ever did because he kept dodging questions and i feel like when he goes Mm -hmm. on these shows beforehand he has to say that he has to tell him like like i can't talk about cm punk so please don't ask because legally i can't discuss it at all but it's a bad it it does look like he's just squirting uh, squirting (laughs) squirting squirting questions when he's constantly just uh brushing them off
2: and it brings the interview down and it hurts the company i i don't get it like i don't know
1: and the, the the tweet with the Mayo Clinic and WWE, it just felt it just makes it seem like it's really got to him, like they really got in his head. And yeah. the best thing would have been just let it go, move on, and 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 fight another day. But
2: man. like you just did this great, great card and with great numbers, attendance mm-hmm. numbers at Wembley, like mm-hmm. that 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 like you don't have to be, you don't have to like constantly be trying to act like there's some nonsensical. Um, uh, um, invisible war that does not exist by the way yeah. between the two companies not yet we want them to get there but like when he does things like this it it, in my opinion it makes them go backwards it yeah. makes them look like, like like a ring of honor and companies like that that every once in a while try to take a shot at WWE online because they know all the internet guys and gals are going to love it and may, make sound bites out of it and clickbait mm-hmm. and stuff like that it's not what a major league company would do It's not what the Yankees do when talking smack about the Red Sox. They don't do that. No. Mm
3: -hmm. No. It's like in his head, he thinks he's cannabis. But in this case, LL isn't even bothering to respond, which just makes it even better.
2: Great analogy. (laughs) I love that. I love that beef.
3: But that's what he thinks. He's like, oh, I'm going to burn him with this one. And it's just like WWE is like, whatever. We don't care.
1: Well, yep. in the '90s, you know, when I realized that WCW had arrived and they were really a threat, was when they started doing the the Nacho Man huckster. When when WWE started acknowledging WCW and, and brought them yep. to their, you know, kind of brought them to their level. So WWE's doing the smart thing; they're not even acknowledging yeah. it. They're just laughing it off, not and moving on.
3: AW is not even doing TNA Impact number. I mean, Impact broke three, peaked at three million. What was it? Two, 2 million. Well, it was 2.2. 2. It settled our, the number, but the peak, I think, was yeah, three yeah. for that Hogan we, episode. It,
2: it, but but we were consistently, for about a th- two-year window there, maybe even three, we were on Spike. We were always, always over a million viewers. Always. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: yeah. And AEW, I mean, granted, the TV landscape just changed, but I right, don't know. Yes. It just feels um, like... I. I I mean, this sounds like the most obvious thing. I wish he put more, I wish he put this much attention and his effort into booking good storylines and yeah. getting because the matches are great. Interested. Yeah. All the matches yeah. are, I mean, dude, in wrestling, One, like matches yeah. are phenomenal overall mm-hmm. right now.
2: Once the bell rings, it's hard to argue their matches are not the best. Mm-hmm. It's very hard argument to make. Mm-hmm. WWE has a few matches per show that are really good. Yes.
3: It's just but funny, though. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Uh, So if you watch the wrestlers on Netflix and you look at what Al Snow is doing for OVW, I feel like Al Snow obsessively puts more time into his storylines for promotion that now thankfully is selling out 400 seats a week. But he's putting more time, effort and energy into just focusing on making a good product, whereas TK is like not obsessively paying attention to what's going on. He's good at hiring talent, Mm -hmm. but it's like he doesn't know how to utilize
2: them. Yeah. Not a bad point, point. and again, it sucks because anytime you say something negative about AEW, people it's like, "Oh, you, you're a hater on AEW." If you think that's true, go, on my, well, right? timeline, go yeah. on my Twitter timeline, go on my Twitter timeline, people, and tell me. Or the when I used to be on the Wink Podcast, talk about wrestling, I'm their biggest. I was their biggest fanboy. So I'm friends with the Bucks, okay. and I and I wanted to see them do well. The company that then, along with others, started right. Mm-hmm. So that's not a case of it at all. So, just you guys, if you guys, anybody's watching this from AEW. Tell your boss to, I know it's not easy, easier said than done, right? Because he's your boss, right. but he's no yeah. Vince McMahon. You can't go to Vince McMahon and tell him something like this, right? right? You most certainly can grab some humane eventers, can grab Tony aside and be like, brother, what are you doing? Chill out. This is not helping us. I came here from WWE as a huge star to help this organization out. When you're doing things like this, it doesn't help. Him being at the scrum the entire time, like a fanboy, does not help. It hurts. I swear to God, yeah. it hurts. You
3: no, know, it feels special when Triple H comes out at the end of those press conferences.
2: Yeah, and mm-hmm. gives like the overall numbers and does the stuff yeah. that that'd be great. If Tony came in and did yeah. that. That'd be great because he's great mm-hmm. with analyticals and numbers. Everyone knows that, but mm-hmm. not every single seg, uh, every single segment of it with all the guys that and gals that come up there to speak, where all he does is just go bananas over how great they are. Like we don't need to see that because it, it it loses its luster. And he's going to say great things about no matter what talent comes on out there. And it just it kills the context of it where I just want to see the star of who's coming up to the scrum from their match to talk about it. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. He should not be the their front man, if you will. Yeah. He just should not be. He should be the owner of the band, right? And get your Vince Neil out there, right? And let Vince yeah. Neil do what Vince Neil does or Nikki Six, or whomever.
1: Yeah. Got him over. So I think
2: kind of segueing after that, but I agree
1: 100%. Uh, Yesterday also, I think, was the first time ever, and correct me if I'm wrong, that after a shoot boxing fight that someone called out a wrestler for a kayfabe kayfabe title where Logan Paul, Dylan Danis uh, dominated him. It was a terrible fight. It was a farce. And then afterwards, he challenged Rey Mysterio for the for the U.S. title, which was that, was, all, that,
2: that was the only Dude, good was awesome. part. That was the only good part of that fight. Um, Dylan Dan- the whole fight was
1: Dylan Danis doing this. He's just he's not exaggerating.
2: Up. For those of you who didn't see that, that's exactly what Dylan Danis did the entire fight. He tried to get a couple of shots. I think he threw through eleven, landed eleven, something like that. Compared to like Logan Paul's ninety something, if not hundred, he eventually hit. Um, yeah, he tried to take him down. Friggin' people forget Logan Paul's an all-state amateur wrestler. He stuffed it, and then, uh, and then he tried to put him in a front face lock, and then go down on the ground and try to bring Logan Paul down with him. That failed. Logan was able to get him off and punch him on the ground while he was <laughs> on his back. He tried to he tried to do everything he could, and what sucked about it was Dylan Dennis like tripled or quadrupled his Twitter phone because of his world class, like it or not, his world class trolling. Yeah. That I thought. If I'm being real, was over the was over the top going in on Logan's fiancé and people made jokes and memes. And while well, yeah, in the beginning, people thought they were funny. I remember just thinking, like, he better deliver. All this ish he's talking, he better deliver. And not only did he not deliver, he looked like a coward out there, covering his face the entire time and not throwing punches while Logan was just going off on him. Logan looked yeah. like a prize fighter compared to him. And while people go, yeah. like, Oh, he's not really a boxer, man. Ugh. Logan Paul's not really either. He's just a like, he, does, he trains for these fights, yeah, but he's not, a, yeah. like, a trained classical boxer or something like that. Yeah. So, like, if you're going to talk smack like that, moral of the story is you better back it up in the ring because he got completely this – he got embarrassed. He got clowned big time. The arena completely flipped. Yeah. Flipped huge. And I liked Ariel Hawani's and Jonathan Coachman's uh, comparison to Rocky IV when Rocky flipped the Russian crowd to start <laughs> chanting for Rocky by the end of the fight, right? Yeah, Same thing yeah. happened here. Everyone was chanting for – uh um Dylan in the beginning of this because okay. Logan's historically hated by everybody online it feels like to me and um now they they flipped it in the by the end of that fight and uh he humiliated himself that was horrible if somebody if somebody that bought that fight you guys got ripped off I'm glad I stayed yeah. and watched it on YouTube after.
1: Yeah Logan Paul he threw 330 punches landed what? 108. Yeah
2: he and landed 108
1: yeah landed 108 and Dannis landed 16
3: well <laughs> it's not a complete wash you
1: know right yeah at least he got some in but uh damn no it, was, it is it was,
2: that was it was horrible Glenn Glenn, if you watched it you'd be like oh my god worse than cm punk
3: and ufc yeah. yes oh, wow. okay i Great
1: mean I Dennis would like you know went to the ground like trying to get logan in okay. his guard in, in like the third round it was it was so bad okay and then, yeah. yeah he was trying to do a headlock takedown and then he got disqualified. But uh, Logan had handily won the fight.
3: Yeah. But he's smart from pivoting to WWE where he's less chance of getting concussed. Yep.
2: Probably getting paid handsomely. Yeah. yeah.
1: I think he should win the U.S. title, in my opinion. I do too.
2: I do too. Whether you want to call him famous or notorious, whatever it is, he gets eyeballs. He just does. And he's so good. He's fantastic in a WWE yeah. ring. He's incredible oh, yeah. athletic. He's the whole package. I mean, regardless of what you think of him, he's
3: he's an exceptional wrestler, um, yeah. very good, and not in the style. I mean, it's a hybrid of styles. It is. Uh, it's it's impressive. I mean, personally, I don't like the guy, but I I mean, he's one of those guys Either. like you you hate to to enjoy how good he is in the ring. It's really remarkable.
2: I I, I don't like him for different things he's done, right? Yeah, to, to his fans and his followers, mm-hmm. and Absolutely. we both know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um. So for that, I don't like him, but I can't deny it. he's one of, he's, he's the best celebrity i've ever seen uh mm-hmm. going to pro wrestling and turn it around and become that yeah. damn he's amazing mm-hmm. at it but uh,
1: these celebrity boxing fights whatever you call it this this niche that the paul brothers have made it, I, I feel like they're starting to lose their luster especially after jake paul nate diaz i don't know what else they're going to pull out of their hat dylan danis he did do a great job be you know building this fight he did uh, but I just don't know where you go from here. It's,
2: it's going to take a Conor McGregor. It's going to take a John. It's going to take somebody like that to to come in from like a bigger name, MMA star. Or, yeah. or and we want to see the Chris Cross uh, crossover, if you will. Um, yeah. See what happens. See how be- we all want to see the Paul brothers get just shellacked. Yeah, and I think everybody does. Although Jake, yeah. it seems to be honestly yeah. the more the better brother for what it's worth. Yeah, he beat
1: uh he beat Nate Diaz. He beat uh I mean as, as far Aspen. as
2: a, I mean as far as being a good brother goes. Like oh. Logan's terrible He's a horrible brother to him. He steps on his pop all the time. He bitches and moans. He couldn't bring his prime bottle to his brother Jake's fight after Jake wins. <laughs> while Jake's being sponsored by another sports beverage, keep that in mind. And he uh. bitches that he couldn't bring his like no. that's what I mean. He's they should not fight a good each other. Brother. It's a good build. Yeah. That would and be huge, that actually. That's the money. It would, it'd be, yeah, it would be. That'd be a very good fight. People would love to buy it. They'd love to see Jake whip his ass. I guarantee yeah. it. I'd
3: uh, buy it. So, while we're talking about this, with Logan going back to WWE against Rey, Ray, okay, so Dominic Mysterio is still, like, the biggest heat in all of Boy, wrestling. Boy, is
1: he. He's awesome.
3: Friday night, again, was incredible. Uh, Nick Aldis now, <laughs> new general manager of SmackDown.
2: So excited. I pray. I literally do. I pray that they do transition him to a storyline eventually where he rips that suit off and puts his trunks back on because he is too damn good of a wrestler just to be doing a GM role. But I think I don't don't know anything about this. I swear I didn't ask Nick this. I'm just guessing. I hope that's where they go with it eventually because he's more than just a GM. I mean, he looks like a million bucks in his suit. He's the best-looking wrestler in a suit I've ever seen. His suits are immaculate, right? His tie, everything. His promos are money. But – there's money to be made with his promos, with him in a ring as an yeah. opponent
3: for someone,
1: and he's only thirty six years old. I mm. think people yeah. assume he's older than he is. He's only thirty six. No. and he has that look and poise of of uh, someone that's been a veteran forever. He's he's awesome.
3: And with his hiring, rumors that Mickie James might come back for one last run in WWE.
2: That'd be cool yeah. for her. I mean, she's done yeah. everything there. Is to, there is, she's I done know. everything there is to do. Can I answer one question? One of our better followers. Uh, Asked it during um, uh, our our Twitter advertisement that we put for tonight's show about, hey, what does Impact Wrestling need to do to take over as the number two wrestling show? And I I don't know if you guys agree with this or not, but they need to get on a bigger network that more people have the opportunity to see. You can't compete with a TBS or a TNT. if you're on some J-Brown network that nobody has or nobody can see, and I'm a, I'm am a very proud former Impact Pro wrestler, I was a better part of my career quite honestly, um, but they're not on a big enough network for something like that. They need to go to a different network.
1: Yeah, I just think the the gap. There's so much wrestling on that it's so hard for a number three to to become number two. And I'm not counting New Japan. I just mean in the U.S and uh you know aew has all this exposure the big the big money behind it even yep. if impact were to get a good tv deal which i I don't see happening uh it's yeah. just who wants to see more wrestling
3: you know? i mean billy corgan's teasing nwa is going to announce a decent tv deal soon well
1: multiple top 20
2: things. yeah he top said network
1: yeah two yeah. two yeah he said hmm. two yeah
2: we'll so see Hopefully, that's cool. I always thought his concept was, I know he says it's not old school wrestling or whatever, but I always took it as old school NWA style wrestling, which is why I liked it when it first came out on YouTube. Mm -hmm. I love the interviews right next to the ring. I loved all of that. Mm
3: -hmm. Um, And uh, also from this week's SmackDown, LA Knight is getting a shot against Roman Reigns.
2: That was awesome to see him on SmackDown and getting that pop while John Cena standing in that ring, while Roman Reigns is standing in that ring. His pop was still deafening. It's awesome.
1: For him to be in there with Cena and Reigns and just feeling totally like he belongs. I mean, it's such a big feather in his cap. We've talked about LA Knight forever way back in the day, how this dude was a guaranteed superstar. Took Mm -hmm. WWE a while to figure it out, but here we are.
2: Yeah, I still think they late to the party on it. I still think they lost a little bit what could it could have been even bigger and you know, people think I'm crazy. It still could have been it, He's there now, obviously. Yeah. But I, I still don't think they're going to have him beat Roman Reigns. No. no. The Cody versus Roman Reigns is is the angle that they're still going to get to eventually where finally yeah. Cody's the one that knocks him off.
1: Yeah. I can see yeah. LA Knight beating Seth though. I think LA Knight's way more over than Seth. Legitimately, people love Seth's song and it, he, he has great matches, but I think Ooh, are more
2: invested you're saying you're saying he should be the champion of the other show then. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, okay. I could see that.
1: I could do that at mania. Yeah.
2: Okay. 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 That makes up for his loss to Roman. That is inevitably coming up. Right. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. Crown jewel. I think. Damn. Yeah. I hope it doesn't hurt him. I, I really do. I hope it doesn't hurt him.
3: Yeah everyone they're not everyone a lot of people think i'm wrong with this but i think we're getting bloodline versus judgment day at survivor series
2: Hmm, i can see that i mean i mean I mean, they do feel like they're building towards this they do yeah, yeah. two biggest factions
1: you know but as long as it's, it's cool. not judgment day versus cody and,
2: and
3: yeah
1: yeah that's sammy which has been going on forever
2: and the all-stars yeah cody and the all-stars, um, and the All-Stars. <laughs> that's what it feels like um None of them have any cohesion. None of them are really friends in real life. It just does. It's not the same thing versus mm-hmm. the two factions. But here's my question. They're both heel organ, both heel groups. Even better. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this. Bloodline is who now, right? Because Jay's not in it. So who is it just the three of them? Well, so they had that thing
3: backstage with Paul talking to Ava Rain at the mega NXT, which answers the question of how do you deal with Rhea and having a female on female component to that match. I don't think Ava's quite ready yet, but for the role, maybe she could do something. I don't know. I mean, it just—if it seems like, look, it's been really weird with Roman being gone as much as he has, to the point where Judgment Day is more prominent than the Bloodline now.
2: Okay, let me ask you this: If they turn Judgment Day, they can't, because Dom. As long as Dom is in that, they can never be babyface. Yeah, correct. Maybe, yeah. They, maybe this doesn't matter. But what about you putting Jade Cargo as their female? Heater. oh in
3: the bloodline that'd be
2: interesting mm. and have her be the heater on top yeah. of it have her be like the rhea ripley i mean god she looks yeah. like a million bucks and that 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 tease with with charlotte flair and hunter was awesome mm-hmm. i love yeah. that. yeah love that
3: good way to turn dominic face would be to have him interfere in ray versus logan if logan's gonna win dominic comes in makes a save i don't think that'll do it though but it's a good attempt
2: I think that's how eventually you've got to yeah. make, make him baby face to hug his dad and do something, yeah. throw his body over his dad's body, who's already knocked out and about to eat some type of huge move from somebody, and he okay. eats it instead, um, and they hug at the end. But still, Dom's money right now as far as being the most hated person on the planet.
3: I know. It's like, amazing. Ever. I love it. I love it. It's so good.
1: <laughs> it's no. so funny. It's it so one of the best things to watch right now. Dude, it is. And
3: NXT Tuesday it was is. so much fun seeing John Cena, they were singing his actual lyrics. He marked out for that. Like that was just yeah. a fun show Tuesday night.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah so maybe, me throw one thing past you guys. So, t- so Tony on uh, things like, does he think like WWE sitting there and they called up like Cody, they called up uh, John Cena. They called up Undertaker, and they're like, Hey, ta- I- I'm pretending I'm Hunter. He's taker. So listen, man, Uh, what are you doing on so-and-so day? Um, So listen, AEW is going to be running against us. So we really need you. We need you to help us. So please, could you be there to help us beat AEW? No, that never happened. They don't even say the word. I promise you. if It was brought up. I could see like maybe at the show, Cody saying something because he's from AEW to one of the other producers or something along those lines, maybe at best, but not like well, AEW's on that night. We really need a really strong stacked show to take them down. No, uh, I don't believe that. I well, they wouldn't don't.
3: phrase it that way. I think they would say, hey, TV rights negotiation is coming up. We yes. We need to keep our streak going. We're yes. going to have increased competition on this night. we got to do everything to make sure that we keep the ratings going. Yeah.
2: There's no way they're saying, oh, AEW's on tonight. Undertaker, we need you. <laughs> he, would you come- he would laugh
1: yeah, and to wrap this up, I you know I know people uh, said uh, you know oh it was unfair. These are these are WWE guys. These are guys under WWE contract. All is fair.
2: Yeah, hey, how's it? So are people saying that, that it's not fair? <laughs>
1: yeah, lots of people. Yeah,
2: what? <laughs> it's the WWE. It's WWE. Like, oh,
1: John Cena is in NXT. Undertaker is not in NXT. Cody's not in NXT. But. Like, dude, they all, NXT is owned by WWE.
2: Wasn't it an anniversary show or something like that too? Or no? No, I don't think NXT? so. No.
1: no? Okay. I wasn't yeah. sure.
2: Just
3: uh, Dylan Matthews is saying that Triple H impression was world-class, Matt.
2: It was horrible. <laughs> I, I could do way better than that. I'm sorry. Super <laughs> chats are coming better. soon,
1: guys. Yeah, we're, everybody we're, we're please, subscribe.
2: please subscribe. Please yeah.
1: subscribe. It really helps us out. Subscribe hit the like button, spread the word. And uh, yeah. we're brand new. We're low on the fate the uh, YouTube algorithm because of our newness, but we'll, we'll get there and, and we appreciate your help.
3: So yeah. next week we're not talking horror because it's back to the future day. Raj wants to talk yeah. back to the future next week. Yeah. Talk about that. Talk time. My travel. favorite
1: movie of all time.
3: I'll tell you guys though, totally killer on prime video, new horror movie that came out slasher time travel movie references back to the future. Many times girl goes back in time to help her mom and her friends deal with a serial killer in 1987. What's it's a lot club? of fun called totally killer.
2: Totally killer. Okay. It's on Look Amazon. It what can I watch it? Prime,
3: Prime okay. video, Amazon. Watch get it. it loved it. Smiling awesome. the whole time. Very well done. Maybe we'll mention that a little bit next week. When we talk back to the future until then, everybody do us a favor. Like Raj said, like subscribe, share, tell your friends. That's at BP, Matt Morgan is at the Raj Geary. I'm at Glenn Rubenstein. And we'll get you back here next time on gigantic pop. Take care.